Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Okay, Wilson. I think we're ready to go. Um, bittersweet, but uh, did I see y'all? Brian, man, why don't y'all come on up here, some of our leaders, anybody that uh, is, knows deeply this couple, come on up here. We want to pray them out. Brian has served in our churches uh, as our children and our family pastor, and um, we send them off. They move tomorrow to um, Georgia. 115 degrees is welcome. You come up right here in the middle, huh? And uh, Brian has taken a youth pastor position with a great church. I've had a chance to kind of get to know the pastor out there and on the phone call. And um, we are excited, but bittersweet. We hate to see them leave, but, um, but hey, this is how the kingdom works. And, and part of who we are here in Aspen, folks, is, as you know, this is a resort town, but this is a come and go place, a transient place. And so part of our DNA is just, man, is diving in as much as we can when we're together and uh, realizing we're going to send each other out into a new adventure somewhere. And we want to just do a good job of sending each other out with a blessing and, um, and uh, uh, in the ways of the Lord. And uh, we're excited to, for y'all's new adventure. And um, man, I think it's just going to be awesome. We've got a great church, great community out there in Perry, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. And uh, Michelle and I obviously came here 20 years, 21 years ago from just uh, in Atlanta. And uh, I think it's going to be amazing. And, um, 22, excuse me. And uh, time flies. But um, man, let's just pray for you guys. And uh, maybe just a couple of you that would like to just pray uh, a prayer over them. And I'll close us out. Um, yeah, Lee, come on. Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you for the yeah. Matthew family and yes. uh, their heart and yes. desire to serve you, Lord, and yeah. glorify your name in uh, amazing ways. And God, just pray that your hand will be upon them, that they will uh, be filled with your Holy Spirit, that you will anoint them as you send them out to a, a new mission field, Lord. Yes, Lord. May they just impact that community in a, a mighty way, and uh, may they quickly make friends and, mm-hmm. and have a community that comes around them mm-hmm. and supports them. And, we just uh, thank you for what they've done here and uh, we thank you for the friendships that we've had and yeah may you bless them mightily mm. amen thanks Lee. mike and kathy lord we thank you so much mm. for brian yeah amanda and their three precious mm. kids mm. we pray that you mm. would just wrap your arms around them and yeah. take them safely mm. and uh, i pray that there would be mm. Uh, excitement as they start this new chapter, but how we will miss them. Lord, I pray, uh, well, I just thank you for the impact they've had here, how they've touched so many children and families and older adults, and uh, we love them. We send them out with your blessing. Amen. Lord, we just send them out with your spirit, God, with the fire of your presence, Lord. I just pray that where they go, your spirit would go, that you would lead them, Father, that you would spill out of them all over this new community, that you would take this community into the depths of your heart through Mm -hmm. them, Lord, that that they would bring things, bring new things for this community to learn, and that they would learn new things there, God. I just pray for your protection over them. Lord, I pray for community, deep deep-rooted community, Lord, that they would be able to build their lives there, 
and sink roots down deep. In Jesus' name. Mm. Father, we rejoice, Lord, um, with your calling and your leading. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would surround them with community. You'd surround them, Amanda, with other moms and children and a wonderful support team there. Lord, I I know it's there, Father. And uh, Lord, for Brian, that you'd surround him. Lord, I pray for just a blessing over the staff as they grow and as they just pray together and uh, lock their arms together for mission Lord, for you, for your church. I pray you'll bless them, Lord. Abundantly with your presence, Lord, to be with them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want you guys to think, well, remember two important things. One, right, is this God's, this is God's calling on, on your life. And um, when God calls, it's never just simple. It's never comfortable, right? It's a hard process, right? And, uh, and that he's with you. He's with you and that you are made for this. You're gifted for this. He's with you and also realize you've got a whole family back here rooting for you, praying for you, and that's here to support you. God bless you guys. Yeah. Billy. All right. Thanks, team. Be excited to hear the news, hear how it goes. Um, I remember when 20, almost 30 years ago, Michelle and I left to graduate seminary. We left to take a church, to go serve at a church in Atlanta, and uh, she was pregnant, and we had no idea how we were going to make it work. We were leaving, driving that long road to Atlanta. We're like, how's this going to work? And, and uh, you know, it was a wild adventure, and, and just uh, saw God all the way, right, all the way. Well, morning, everybody. Um, Thanks for being here again. Happy Father's Day. Um, I'm going to dive right in here this morning, and I have a big task in front of me. We're going to take this passage, should be familiar to you, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, I'm going to do the best I can in a short period of time to hopefully just teach, but also invite something supernatural to happen here this morning. This is what the Word of God says, 1 John 3, um, 21, uh, uh, verses 1, 3-1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. Behold, that word John meant to not be some, hey, take a note, or just say like we say, does your father love you? Yeah, 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 I know he loves me, but I haven't really experienced it. It's not what this is saying. John, who's the beloved disciple, the one who knew the affection of Jesus, the one who wrote all that we know about the most intimate, loving aspects of who God are, is saying to you, behold, church, see, this word's in there, see, experience, fully embrace How great, how massive a love your heavenly Father has lavished upon you. That you would be called a children, child of God. And that is what you are. That is what you are. Folks, we live in a a, a time, obviously, where... um, 
I don't think I need to just, again, I'm not going to take time to go through all the statistics of all of our social ills, the results of fatherlessness uh, in our society. It's nothing new. It's been from the beginning of time. But something it does need to be taken note of it, it, in this day and age that we've grown up in, uh, this Western civilization and the culture we live in is, is your father's name, your heritage is really not that big a deal. Do you know that? Everything around you has communicated to you and to your child that your autonomous self, who you are as an individual is what's important. Not who your father's name is. Not who your family line is. What has been communicated to you over and over again in education and in our culture today is you are important. Just you alone, you isolated, the autonomous self, you go, you've got everything you need. And folks, let me tell you, that has robbed. Why do we have identity problems? Why do we have love problems and everything else? It's because that guts the very foundation of who we are created to be at the very core of our being. And this is also why when we as Westerners read the Bible and we come to the beginning of the Gospels and the Old Old Testament, we get to all these long genealogies, the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of, that we go, that's just a waste of time. Do you hear what I'm saying? Most cultures today, the very fiber of who they are is because they're a son of and they state the father. And they know, inherently we know, the impact and the power that identity, the very affirmation of who we are, flows that way, has been that way from the beginning. I don't care how much you want to rewrite culture and change gender, all these different things, it will never, ever change. And that's exactly why is that? Is because God comes to you as a heavenly father. A heavenly father. And so church, see, behold, What amazing love, lavish love the Father has put upon you that you would be a child of God. Now here's here's just something before I dive in on this the best I can this morning is that um, we we think, we talk about fatherlessness and some of us who have had great fathers is we kind of say, oh, that's them. Or we talk to people and go, well, no, I had a pretty good dad or whatever it is. But here's the reality we have to start from. Every single one of us, every single person on the face of the earth is born with a fatherless problem. Now, this is what we have to wrestle with in the gospel. We'll never understand the gospel, never understand the love of God unless I understand my need for the love of God. All the way back to the Genesis is Adam forfeited for all of mankind, intimate assurance of the love of the Father. Every child that's born into this world, the scripture says, is there's a breach. We're under the, the power of sin and the power of death. Is, those are the things that carry us in the course of life. And, and we are, are born in this world with, without this connection to God. We're born, right, with a, a soul that is desires, right? The, the inside of our, our soul and our heart longs for love. Matter of fact, we can't live without love, without joy, without peace. And if I don't have those, if a child doesn't have those, and the best father in the world, the best mother in the world cannot satisfy a child's desire for the deep aspect of what was missing in their heart. The role, the ultimate, here's just a little parenting uh, uh, um, piece of this. There's no greater task for a mother or father than to point their child to the father's heart. 
That's priority number one. You can love them. You can spoil them. You can send them to the best education. You can do whatever you want to prepare a way for your child. But if you don't lead them to the Father's heart, their soul is left with a deficit. And they will be in bondage with an orphan heart, which we all have. We're born with an orphan heart. That's not just some person out there who doesn't know who their father or mother is. That's every one of our hearts that doesn't know the love of God. That hasn't been shown the great love of God for us. Is We are orphans. What does it mean to be an orphan? It means I don't, know, I don't know who my father is. I might know my earthly father, but I don't know the one who created me. The one who has an eternity for me. The one who truly speaks and has an identity and blessing and destiny over me. I, I don't know that person. So an orphan will run. An orphan will run, and the only place the orphan has to run to is the world. And everything the world has to offer. And an orphan, like all of us, is we desperately, we can't live without love, we can't live without joy, we can't live without peace, and we're going to run and try to find satisfaction for that love that we're missing if I don't get it from my Creator, from my Father, my Heavenly Father. And um, if I don't have joy... I'm going to do everything I can do to go. I have to have joy. So I'm going to, I got to feel something, right? This is the problem. People got to feel something. So where are they going to go? People got to have some peace. How about that one? Today with anxiety and everything else going, where's the peace? People are longing for it, desperate for it. It only comes from one place. The shalom of the Father. Only comes from our loving Heavenly Father. And so hope Hope for fatherlessness, folks, is the hope that we all need. Not just those out there who don't have dads. Not those who have been in an abusive, terrible situation. Every single one of us has a fatherlessness problem until we're united, until we experience the love of God. The love of the Father. And Jesus, folks, came to reveal. John makes this very clear. To reveal the love of the Father to us. He came to do that. And um, I, I just want to take us on the big grand story as we break this down. And I hope that this reality just sinks a little deeper inside our souls and our hearts this morning. Behold, I hope you can see how great a love that God has for you. That you would become not an orphan. Not someone who's wandering, who's lost, who's trying to find a place in the world, who's trying to build a home. Who's trying to make something that you never had. But that you're a child of God. And you have a home and it's an eternal home. And that you have peace and you have joy of fellowship with the Father. And that you have love and you have affirmation and comfort in who you uniquely are. And that God loves you. He loves you. And he sent his son after you to rescue you back into his family. Right, for all eternity. Now, folks, here's the reality is God has been wooing us people from the beginning of time. Ever since he had to cast Adam and Eve out of the garden, out of his presence, because he's a holy God, and Adam and Eve took the first lie. Hey, I can go find greater satisfaction. I can find a greater love right outside of resting in the Father's love. And just like the prodigal we're going to look at took the bait and ran. And since then, the rest of the course of history is, is, I mean, it just fits right in. Only the Bible, folks. You can go show me any book among any religion, among any philosophy that explains the course of the human heart and history. Only the Bible has it. 
Only the Bible tells the story. Only the Bible tells the story of, of the uniqueness of a triune God who lives in perfect fellowship and love, who created us to be a part of that and has been working throughout history to woo us back into that right fellowship. And uh, I'm going to take you to Malachi um, now. I think I have it on the screen. The last verse, folks, of the Old Testament. And I just want to just use this one verse to... Um, Kind of show us God's wooing throughout all of, uh, of history and time. I hope you'll take these verses. Hope you'll let them sink in. This is how the Old Testament ends. The revelation of God through the prophets, right? To cast, right? The large picture from the beginning of time and creation until the time of the end of the old covenant, right, where the prophets spoke unto God and, and God worked through Israel, God is now going to do something blows the minds of even the prophets, right? He's going to send his son and, uh, to redeem the world and to show his incredible love, the ultimate in wooing us, uh, showing the Father's heart how desperate, how uh, um, much at the core of, of God's being himself, he wants to be with you. And he's moving throughout history. And if you read the Old Testament, from the beginning, the the children of Israel, is they kept giving their hearts to other lovers. They kept moving out, right, from rejecting the the Father's heart over. It's just this story. You read it, you're like, will they ever learn? This is the course of history. It's where we're at today. There's nothing new under the sun. God is offering radical blessing. He's offering to be with them, to dwell with them. He's offering signs, wonders, the very radical presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. All of this. But people kept rejecting. People, the Israelites kept right moving and giving their hearts and their joy to the things of the world. And... Um, and this leads here to the last part of the Old Testament. This is Malachi the prophet, right? He says this, Remember, starting verse 4, The law of my servant Moses, the statutes, rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, what's going on here? What's going on here? Folks, I, 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 let me just give you a couple things. I hope you'll let these sink in. At the very core of revival, when you, we talk about revival, at the very core of when God is moving, when, when transformation is happening, um, something is affected at the very family level. At the very beginning, God's order of things, man and woman, one man, one woman, married together in beautiful union, sacred unity before God in a covenant to birth children who are a blessing, according to Scripture, from God to be a godly offspring for God. And to be in partnership with him in that. And that the, at the beginning, we know the enemy's around from the beginning. He's doing everything he can do, like he did in the garden, to rip apart God's structure, God's family. And he will attack at the core of the family unit. And he'll go right after dad because we know in the Old Testament, it says the sins of the father are passed on down, right? Don't say the mother, it says of the father. And we know the course of history, don't we? We know in our own lives, right? That this is just true. 
It's what is played out, right, uh, throughout all of history. And at the core of revival, folks, is a restoration. When God is on the move, you know what he starts to do? He restores the Father's heart. A father who starts being transformed by God, the first thing that happens is that father becomes convicted, aware of his role before God, to stand before God one day, of his role in loving his children. And his heart will be restored to his children. And in the process of his heart being restored to his responsibility to his children, guess what? The children's heart change. And I have a generational change. And they turn back rather than what the scriptures say is going to happen in the end. People will be disobedient to their parents more and more and more. That's the cause of destruction. The way of the world. And so what we see here is he sends Elijah, right, the prophet coming. And we know that John the Baptist was the same passage is used in the first part of Luke when it came to John the Baptist, who came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for Jesus. The preparation for God to move, the Messiah to come, was this awakening. God is restoring his family. He's restoring health to the family. He's restoring health, right, to to the heart. And the father sends forth his son into the world to redeem the world, to make these rebel orphans who are brought into this world, not knowing that they have a loving Heavenly Father, right, removed from that, being restored back into the family, and as a result, right, the blessing of God's grace radically transforming the family itself. Father's hearts, children's hearts restored. When that happens, you know God is on the move, right? And, uh, and that only happens first when, right, the, the idea of the Father's love, right, overwhelms, right, a, a person's heart, a, a person's soul. And we see, again, this is just another picture of God's wooing, folks, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of your first breath out of your mother's womb, the Father was wooing you. Somehow, through somebody's prayers, through somebody, he's showing, as Romans 1 says, even the very creation that was created for you to enjoy, all the common graces uh, that we, we talk about this song, the goodness we've seen in our life. It's God is wooing you to his heart. He has the better. The problem is there's a war going on. And that war is of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, this self-autonomy that I can do it without God, that somehow I can find satisfaction, somehow I can find love, right, without God. And then Jesus comes, the one who comes to show us, to become like us, to show us the Father. The Father lives in this unapproachable, glorious light. And uh, Jesus is the one who comes in the flesh, like us, a brother among us, right, to save us and lead us, right, back into this fellowship of the Trinity, back into this loving relationship um, with God. And this is why when he came to the earth, he rocked. Right, the setting, the Jewish setting, he, everything that happens in the Old Testament, he came with such harsh words against the religious elite. But I want to take us, I mean, there's so many places, I just encourage you to do a study in the Gospels. This was going to be one of my messages, but go through and see how the Father models, I mean, excuse me, how Jesus models in the New Testament the Father's love. Just go see how Jesus does this. Remember John 5, I do nothing I don't see my Father doing. How did Jesus treat his own family? This is very important. His relationship with his heavenly father had a priority over his relationship with his biological family. And the beauty about it was he said some harsh things. Right? To marry his mother even, I think. But guess what? Come after his resurrection in the upper room, his entire biological family was in the church. 
and seeing who he was because he's kept a priority and he loved his family. From the cross, what did he say about his mind? He dealt, talked about, this is God. He's up there dying. Of course, you think he's feeling like we feel. The, our greatest problem is if, you know, death or something comes, we worry about our children. We worry about our spouse, right? What did Jesus do? He turned to the beloved disciple, the one who wrote those words, and he says, John, take care of your mother. Wow. Just go. It's a beautiful study. See how Jesus modeled the Father's love for us and, and brought it into enhancing the family itself. It's pretty powerful stuff. Um, my most favorite piece of this, folks, and this ties into this, this, um, this passage for us. Let me just go back to uh, our main passage. In Luke chapter four, 3, actually, when Jesus is baptized, he hadn't done any miracles. He was unknown. He was a carpenter. He was faithful, carrying out his father's business, taking care of the family. Right? He was a carpenter. He was a technician. Actually, he was a mason. He was a technician. It's a different word. He was all that, right? Um, he drove a F-150 if he was driving. So the, um, he, he was unknown. And then John, the Elijah, was sent. God sent the one to prepare the way. And, uh, and Jesus comes to be baptized. And you know the story, but don't let it pass you by, right? This is Jesus, and he comes to be baptized. Not because he had to, but because, as he said, for righteousness' sake, because we're to follow Jesus, Whatever he does, he's our savior. We do what he commands us to do. And he follows in baptism. Remember what John says, I'm not to baptize you, you're to baptize me. And Jesus said, don't fulfill all righteousness. So when Jesus went under the water, he comes up out of the water baptized. And you know the story, heaven opened up. Heaven opened up. And a dove, like the Holy Spirit, came down and rested upon Jesus. At that moment, heaven and earth were connected, folks. Again, this is gonna happen when he returns. But it will be permanent. It will be permanent. And folks, don't miss. Go back and read it. What the fuck? Because every one of us right here, you can kind of be cool. You can kind of play it, whatever. I don't need that. But every single one of us, if you do not hear these words that Jesus heard, and if Jesus had to hear these, how much more do we have to hear them? Heaven parted, and the Father's voice over his son said, This is my beloved son, who I am pleased and I love deeply. Now think about it. There's a lot of things he could have said. Like if, if I, it was me, I'd be like, hey, idiots, better pay attention to this guy. He's the guy. But it was a very personal message to Jesus. From the father's heart to his son. Hey, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Right? Behold how great a love the father has lavished upon you. In sending his son to redeem you back into the family of God, that you can say you're a child of God. That when you talk about who you are, the very first thing that overwhelms us should be I'm a child of God, I'm a child of my Father. And everything I have, everything I am is rested, it's in his hands, and I have an eternity, right, of destiny. So let me just take us to one place here quickly this morning. Famous uh, still is, I can read this parable, the parable of the prodigal son. I can read it and read it. I can read books about it. It never, this is the power of the word of God. It's never exhausted. There's something so profound and many have said this is the most profound, right, story that's ever been written, ever parable that's ever been written. I would agree with that. Show me one greater. 
But I want to start early, and this is Luke 15. Again, please go back and spend some time reading this. The beginning of Luke 15, he gives a couple of parables before he builds up to the parable of the prodigal son. And I want to set the tone here. Jesus, the Son of God, he said, this is God in flesh, right? Perfect and pure, walking on this earth, trying to get a hold of people's hearts. Jesus didn't go out and he didn't start a denomination. He didn't go out there and start, you know, put a big grandstand and and just whoosh, heal everybody. And he didn't go on tour as such. He didn't have a promoter, right? He didn't send his DVDs around. He came at just the right time. Just the right time in earth. Because the power of the gospel is relational, face-to-face, heart-to-heart. That is how the Christian faith is to operate. And we need to recover that today. Please bring your paper Bibles. Get rid of the technology be undevoted, undistracted before God, right? Simple things that we have to recover today, right? Now, the tax collectors, these were some of the biggest scoundrels on the face of the earth. And the sinners. So, everybody's a sinner, but these were the real sinners, right? We're all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees, we all have a little Pharisee and some a lot. And the scribes were grumbling, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Who, who, one was repelling, one was attracting. One was giving off the love of the Father, the other was giving off what? Religion, judgment, self-righteousness, just go down the list. But now just listen to this parable because Jesus is telling this. There's many avenues we can take. I want you to hone, I want us to hone in into the Father's heart here, okay? And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And we know historically he might as well say, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could get my inheritance, right? I just want to live as a trust funder. And so the father did it. And this was shocking to begin with. The culture was like, whoa, wait a minute, right? Because it was a shame culture. They understood this. We don't today. And he divided his property between them. Horrific. So many days later, the younger son gathered all he had. He took a journey into a far country, meaning Gentile corrupted the world land. For a Jewish person, this was like, you're gone, right? And, um, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out and one of the citizens, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. See what Jesus is doing? These pigs were unclean to Jewish people. This story is getting worse and worse. In other words, this, this prodigal, this orphan-spirited young man, he's just spiraling down as, as, as deep as he possibly could. So he... Um, Verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now listen to this. But when he came to himself, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise. I'll go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What's going on here in the heart of this orphan spirit person? It's called repentance. It's because I don't deserve. I actually humbly come. I need forgiveness. 
This is a place of brokenness. This is a place where no one can be saved unless my heart comes to this place of desperation. Every other aspect, I don't care. I'm going to be bold here. Any other kind of thing that, oh, I know Jesus, I made a commitment to Jesus, is a therapeutic, not a genuine, salvific experience until the heart is moved with a radical sense of, I am desperate. I have nothing to offer God. I receive His forgiveness completely. Completely broken, completely uh, in need, nothing to offer. Where is that today in our culture? I'm telling you, the reason why we have so much emotional problem is because we don't have brokenness. We're not in touch with our heart. We're not in touch with our soul. And I believe the reason we have brokenness is because we don't have enough believers walking around, right, in the love of the Father, casting a beautiful vision of how loving our God is and what He's done for us. Because I just ask you, do you know God as your father? Or is it just about religion? Is it just about going through something? I mean, do you know him as your father? Is that how you talk to him? When Jesus taught us how to pray, Heavenly Father. Romans 8, Abba, Father. Is that how you talk to God? Do you, do you, do you, rest, do you rest in his security, his arms, his love for you? Do you come to him in a childlike prayer? Father, have mercy. God, speak to me. Lord, move in, in for my child or move for this situation. Is that how you talk to God? If not, I'm going to be very bold here. I don't know if you know God. Because Jesus came to save us, to point us to the Father. That you would know his love and that you would talk to him like a child who can just rest and know you're loved and know you're safe and know your future is taken care of. So he comes to his senses, says, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. Oh, but listen to this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. What is Jesus doing in this story? And felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. It shows the father is waiting. He's longing. And I'm just telling you, anybody watching online, anybody here this morning? If you're unsure about all this, this morning, I can tell you right now, your father in heaven is waiting for you, his child, to come home. He's waiting for you. And, and again, I'm going to go a little, we're going to get to a deeper part of this story. He's waiting on you. You might be sitting in church your entire life, but you don't know the father's love. You're like the older son. You're like the Pharisee. You're the one who thinks you got it all down. You've been caught up in your rational idea, but you don't know the father. You haven't, you haven't released your heart to be loved by God. He's waiting. He's waiting to embrace you, right? And to give you the hug of the Father. Man. Verse 21, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put on the ring, of identity on his hand, put the shoes on his feet, right? Servants didn't wear shoes. Children of the father wore shoes. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly these things, put them on them. Verse 22, and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost. He is, he's found. And they begin to, don't miss it, celebrate. Joy unexplainable. We don't know how to celebrate. 
Oh, Aspen thinks they do. Oh, maybe if you go over to a bar, a club, or a dance party, you think you know how to celebrate. You don't have any clue how to celebrate. Until you know how much God loves you. Until you've experienced the fellowship of believers in the presence of God, that's the party. In worship and in ministry, expecting God moving, right? Among God's people, right? Now the elder son was in the field. And he came and he drew near to the house. He heard the music of the dancing. And he called one of the servants and, and asked what these things meant. And, and he said to him, your brothers come and your fathers killed the fatted calf because he'd received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look at these many years. I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Who's Jesus talking to here? Pharisees, speaking to all of us who've been in church for years, who think we know what it is to be a follower of Christ, right? Oh, we've wrapped things up over the years with all kinds of religion and buildings and liturgies and and all kinds of church history and, and tradition before. But all that has had a way of dimming the root issue, the core issue of the gospel. Right, the real thing, right, the love of the Father. Man, look, I've served you, I, 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 I've commanded, and, and yet you've never done this for me. But when this son of yours came and he devoured your property with prostitutes, folks, the, the lies and temptation of the world, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's just a little bit, I'd say, uglier today, right? It's because now you can squander your inheritance, you can squander your soul just by clicking your phone on or your computer on and it is gutting men's and women's hearts um, to death. Post-COVID, I don't know if you've seen the results, but pornography right now, folks, um, the percentages is frightening, even in the church. It will destroy your soul. It will destroy your marriage. It will keep you from ever, ever having or attaining a genuine, intimate relationship. I plead with you, men and women, all of us, the thing here is the support of one another. Stay free from the idols of the world that will keep you from the love of the Father. Is come home, right, to Him, right, and what He has for us. Mm. And He said to Him, Son, the Father said this, Man, listen to this. You've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead. He's alive. He was lost. He is found. Stop being stodgy. Come into the party. Get your heart right off of all your religious crap. Let the Father's love. All behold. The greatness of the Father's love. All that He's lavished upon you. Man, let it overflow, church. The church is to be the representation of God's, the Father's house. In Hebrew, the betav, the place where the Father rules, His love rules. It is to be the shining light of that vast love that every human soul, right, desperately needs. And so, folks, I ask you, do you know something of the experience of the Father's love? Do you know something of his love? Because let me just say what comes with the Father's love. When we meet our Heavenly Father, when Jesus, and no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. He introduces us to the Father. 
And with that comes this vast love, right? That everything tied to my identity is tied to that love. Do you know that? Everything of who you uniquely are, it unlocks your identity. It gives you security in who you are. The love of the Father. What about the joy of the Father? You know something of the joy of the Father? You know what the joy of the Father? Joy and fellowship are intimately connected to. What are the, what are the happiest times in your life? I can promise we have long enough to talk. The happiest times of your life would be times where you had deep friendship and you had fellowship with friends regularly in your life. You had a place to belong and to be loved and have fun with other people. What are people missing today? Where's community? How do people build community? Number one thing, I heard it again two times last week from people moving from Aspen. We can't find community here. Well, good luck finding it out there, right? There's only one place to truly find community, right? Again, an orphan spirit will continue to find to fill up place. I got to fill this void of love. I got to fill this void of joy. And the world is waiting to take you and suck your soul dry, right? To keep you from, right? Coming into the running arms of the Father and His love, right? Joy is tied to fellowship. And this is why the scripture says, May the love of the Father, may the grace of Jesus, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours. You were created for that. And you can only find it with your Father. What about experiencing the peace of the Father? Shalom of the Father. You know what comes with peace ultimately? This is what the signet ring and the robe of righteousness. The Father says, no, let me tell you. I'm going to tell you who you are. I'm going to put the ring on. This is who you are. No matter what anybody else says. No matter those people. No matter your brother who's saying, you don't deserve that. Oh, you lousy scoundrel. You squandered everything. No, no. This is what I say for you. This is who you are. You're a child of the Father. No matter how far you've run, no matter how much you've messed up in life, no matter how ugly your life is, the Father said, this is who you are. That's the peace of the Father. To know I can walk and I'm loved and I'm at peace because, man, I've met, I, here's my life and all my mess, but man, here is when I start getting attacked, I go right here. Father, I'm going to, you tell me who I am. You tell me how much I'm loved. I'm not going to look to the world. I'm not going to look to my my fame and fortune. I'm not going to look to any of my accolades, my trophies. I'm going to look to God to tell me who I am. That's the peace of God, folks. That's shalom. Nothing like it, right? And so, Derek, y'all come on up. Um, I just want to end this. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully, if I did my task this morning, that you have a little taste of how lavish the Father's love is for you and what he's done for you what's available to you and I hope you'll step into it um, this, many people debate like okay which one did Jesus focus did his focus did he really want to focus on the older son or the younger son who was his audience here I, let me just say this Man, what the world needs to see, they need to meet the prodigal and the father before they ever meet the older son. You know the problem that's happening out there today? Is that people in Aspen and around the country, guess what? They're running into the older sons who are bitter about church, bitter about God. They've sat in church maybe their entire life, but they are stodgy. They are so set on what they believe. They have not received and let the love of God change them. 
And heaven forbid anybody sees or, or has an expression of God by the older son rather than the prodigal or the father first. Does that make sense? So in the church in America, we've got to restore that. We have to restore. That's up to us. And I have to be, Lord, forgive me because you know what? I've been that older son to people before and that just shuts their heart down to receive the love of the father. I've got to be like the prodigal. Father, help me bring your love to this person. And why I hear it over and over again, the biggest problem we have today, folks, and I'm talking about in the church, people do not experience or understand the love of the Father. Why is that? It's because we're not showing them. The Great Commission is to go baptize, immerse them in the Father's love and the grace of Jesus, right? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I plead with you, if you haven't received it, please look past those expressions of church and leaders and everything else that was that older, pharisaical, bitter, cynical. And folks, that's what church is creating right now. Right? A lot of people come in these doors. They're cynical. They've been abused. They're, they question religious leaders. All these things. We have to show them the Father's love. That's what it's all about here. Does that make sense? So the last thing I, I just want to say is that, um, of course I said that a couple times. Um, <laughs> I do, just as we pray, I want to say this. The Father's love is bigger than your family mess. The Father's love is greater than any family issue you're dealing with. Behold the love of the Father, right? The Father's love, folks is greater than any soul tie that's ripped your soul and heart up. It's greater than that. It's greater than your heart. The Father's love. Father, the Father's love is greater than any trauma you've been through. It's greater. Just run into His arms and realize that God is waiting. His arms are open. Right, to come to you. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll just come, Lord, and continue, Lord. I hope to pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour out your love, Lord. Father, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, for, for Lord, just presenting that older brother so much of the time. Lord, help us. Be an agent, a friend, a father, mother, of your love, Father. That's what every heart is desperate for. And we just ask, Lord, these with these precious children coming in, this is what they need, Lord. They need to know your love for them, Father. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd move. On this Father's Day, Lord. Ha, every day is Father's Day, Lord. Every day is your day. Behold, what great, amazing love the Father's lavished on you that you be called a child of God. And church, that is what we are. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.